I can be who it says I can be. Today, I boldly declare my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and my ears are open. I will not go to sleep in the name of Jesus. Amen. May the word bless you, and let's go. So, when you go outside, you always see this. Everybody has on masks, right? Everybody has on masks. And it's actually more uncommon to see somebody without a mask than with a mask. And so I want to talk to you about this whole giant situation and the masks. Because some giants are very obvious because they're on the outside. And we can see them coming. But there are other giants that are behind this mask. So now you don't even know who is real. You don't even know the fullness of somebody. You can't even properly see what somebody totally looks like. Because now we have the ability to hide behind this mask. And I want to talk to us about facing the giant of insecurity. Because it's the giant that is not obvious. It's a giant that hides. It's a giant that is silent. It is a giant that is on the layers and layers and layers. But the giant of insecurity will let you lose your kingdom. So we all have insecurities. We all have insecurities. We may not know what they are. We may not address them, but we all have them. I mean, you know, what is insecurity? Insecurity is like a a feeling of a lacking of confidence in oneself. Unsure, right? Insecure, not Secure, stable, held strong. Inside, internally, not secure. So when I was growing up, they used to tease me and call me Pippi Longstockings. Now, some of you don't know who Pippi Longstockings is. It's fine. Okay? But Pippi Longstockings, so Pippi Longstockings had all these freckles. And so they would always tease me about all these freckles. I had all these freckles. And then they would tease me in the second grade. Was it second grade? First grade, I was playing Spin the bottle in first grade. Yes. Six years old in the playground playing spin the bottle. Oh, yes. And so, whatever. And so, I used to always lick my lips, right? So, I still do it. So, my lips were always wet. So, I remember this one boy. I'm not going to kiss Sarah because her lips are always wet. I still remember you too, by the way. Anyway, and so... And so my lips were always wet. So he just embarrassed me in front of everybody. And I just was like, you know, nobody ever went to kiss me because, you know, I'm always like licking my lips, right? So I became very conscious and insecure about my freckles and insecure. And I'm trying to keep my lips always dry, but then they get dry. So I always want to lick them. And so it's a conflict. Insecurity, insecurity. And you may have something that you're insecure about. It may be your weight, or it may be your height, or it may be where you came from, or it may be your lack of education, or maybe something. But there's always something that tries to bug you and make you feel like you're less than or you're not secure in who you are. So I'd cover them up. So I couldn't wait to wear makeup because then you could just cover up all your freckles. And boy, lip balm was the best invention because then you didn't have to lick your lips anymore. But you see, just because somebody said something, just because somebody who really did not need to have the level of influence in my life at that time. But you know, kids are kids. I began to receive that as something wrong. So when I ended up having uh, my daughter heaven, I remember one time she was young, maybe three or four. And she was like, mom, why is your face different from everybody else's face? I said, what? 
mad. She said, you have all these little brown dots on your face. I said, my freckles? She said, yes. So-and-so's mom doesn't have freckles. Oh, my gosh. You could know. You remember now. Pippi Longstockings is coming back up. It's raising her head, raising her head. Mayday, mayday, mayday. My daughter is going to think something is wrong with me because that's what she said, right? What's wrong with you? So I had to think fast. So I said, oh, it's a roadmap. This is how God finds me. <laughs> I said, this is, this is his unique map of finding me. So then she began to pray for freckles. And now she actually has freckles, right? So here it is. I had to, at some point, become okay with how God had made me. I had to become secure in what God had already pre-designed because he was very intentional in doing what he was doing. Amen? Amen. So I'm sure you can think of something, but if not, keep listening because I'm coming down your street, your avenue, your house, right up in there into your couch. So just wait, wait a second. First Samuel 9, First Samuel 9. Go to First Samuel 9. I'm reading from the New King James Version. And here's what it says. 1 Samuel 9, chapter 2. All right, let's... Um... Now, there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Ahiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Becherat, the son of Apiha, a Benjamite, a Benjamite, a mighty man of power, right? Mighty man of power. And he had a son whose name was Saul, a choice young man and a goodly and a goodly. This is King James, y'all. I'm going to go to King James in a second. And a goodly. All right. Come on, King James. And a goodly. And there was not one among the children of Israel, goodlier person than him. From his shoulders and upward, he was higher than any of the other people. Let me read it to you in the King, New King James. And he had a choice and handsome son whose name was Saul. There was not a more handsome person than him among the children of Israel. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. All right, go down to verse 19. Go down to verse 19. We're still in 1 Samuel 9. Go down to verse 19. So this is where now Saul is looking for his donkeys, his father's donkeys. And as he's looking, he needs instruction. He needs to be able to, to find these donkeys, right? And so he finds out that Samuel is in the city, and he goes up and goes to find Samuel. While he's going to find Samuel, God says to Samuel, hey, there's a person I'm going to bring to you, and when I bring him to you, you're going to anoint him as king. Now, Saul was not anticipating none of this excitement, okay? But he goes up here now, and when Samuel begins to prophesy to him and say, hey, this is what God wants you to do. He wants you to be king. This is Samuel, uh, says uh, verse 19. Samuel answered Saul and said, I am the seer. Go up before me to the high place, for you shall eat with me today. And tomorrow I will let you go and will tell you all that is in your heart. But as for your donkeys that were lost three days ago, don't be anxious about them, for they have been found. And whom is the desire of Israel? Is it not you and on your father's house? And Saul answered, verse 21. Am I not a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel and my family the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Why do you speak to me like this? Here it is. Saul is a standout. Saul is above everybody else. Saul is the most handsome. Saul is from a good family. Saul has it going on and yet he says, but I'm from the smallest tribe and the least of the tribe. His insecurity begins to manifest right in the middle of him being ordained and chosen by God. 
The same thing happened with Gideon. When God was like, hey, mighty man of valor. He was like, who? Who, me? The same thing happens with Moses. When he says, go be a deliverer. And he goes, but I can't do it. I can't do it. I have a stutter. I can't even speak. I can't communicate properly. When we are called by God, if we are not careful, our insecurity will cause us to negotiate ourselves out of the best parts of being with God. We will lose the kingdom due to our insecurity and our inferiority complexes and everything that we have going for us. We will ignore those things because we are insecure. So many people in the Bible, God called, but they were insecure. And they lost. Moses lost to Joshua and Saul lost to David. I dare double dog dare you that if you do not deal with the giant of insecurity, the giant will deal with you. First Samuel, first Samuel. So we watched the life of Saul. And not only does he lose a kingdom, he loses everyone. He loses his family. Saul is chosen as king. Verse Samuel 10. Go to first Samuel 10. Verse Samuel 10. Let's go to verse 20. Here's it. He has position. He has possessions. He has a place. He's above everything. But because Saul begins to find his security in his position, find his security in what he has, find his security in his place among the people, he becomes very, very dangerous. First Samuel 10. First Samuel 10 verses 20 to 24. And it says, And when Samuel had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was chosen. When he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come by their family, then the family, blah, 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 was chosen. Verse 22. Therefore they inquired of the Lord further. Has a man come yet? This is when they're anointing him in front of everybody. And the Lord answered, There he is, because they could not find him. There he is, hiding among the equipment. Okay, Saul, wait. You are ordained. You, the oil is poured on you. you are, and you are still hiding among the equipment. You are hiding behind your work. You are hiding behind your job. You are hiding behind your talent. You are hiding behind your ability. You are hiding behind your education. You are hiding behind your intelligence. You are hiding behind those things that you are familiar with because that's what makes you feel good. That's what makes you feel better than other people. That's what makes you feel less than other people. The comfort of insecurity. So they ran and brought Saul. And when he stood among the people, again it says, he's a head taller than anybody else. First Samuel 10, 24. Samuel said all to, to all the people, do you see the one the Lord has chosen? There is none like him among the people. And all the people shouted, long live the king. So here it is, Samuel is chosen. Now he has applause of people. But when it came time to fight Goliath, when it came time for Saul to fight Goliath, he's taller than anybody else. He had already won a battle against the Amalekites and destroyed them. He was a proven warrior, a skilled fighter, taller than anybody else. Anybody that would have been closest to Goliath's height would have been Saul. And yet when it was time to fight Goliath, he backed away and let somebody else do it. When you are insecure because you have not dealt with your own giant of insecurity, you cannot deal with the giant without. And you try to get somebody else to take the fall and take the position of what you should be doing. 
So here comes David, who is lesser, who doesn't have as much. But what does he have? He's got a relationship with God. You see, David is not tied to his things. David is tied to his relationship. And so where Saul is backing away, though he has everything he needs to fight that giant, that giant of insecurity inside of him makes him abdicate his responsibility as king and warrior and deflect it to a shepherd boy. Oh, insecurity insecurity this is how insecurity shows up you find yourself on the map i had to find myself on the map i'll tell you where i am in this list because god is talking to all of us number one insecurity shows up in competition and comparison competition and comparison competition and comparison why you have to compete why you have to be number one out of everybody beat yourself not beat everybody else you're not in a race against anyone else your assignment from god is your assignment from god it is not for you to go and do uh, compete with someone else's assignment and we compare ourselves right second corinthians 10 tells us they that compare themselves against themselves are not wise When Saul first met David, David served Saul with a harp. Saul was wondering, he was falling asleep. He was having a good time. As long as David stayed small. As long as David stayed small, Saul was happy. When the time came and David was doing the right thing, serving Saul, honoring Saul, Saul's responsibility at that time would have been to develop David. Lead David, guide David, guard David. But there came a time where David began to get under Saul's skin and envy and jealousy to the point where Saul began to pursue David to kill him. 1 Samuel 18, why? Because as long as he was in the background, just worshiping and serving you, it was okay. First Samuel 18, 7 says this. And as the woman danced, they sang out. Saul has slain thousands, but David tens of thousands. And Saul was furious and resented this song. Verse 8 says. He said, they have ascribed tens of thousands to David. He said, but only thousands to me. What more can he have but the kingdom? When David begins to get a little bit of praise... And Saul now cannot recognize the giftings and the abilities in David because what is most important to him is his position, his possessions, and his place. When that was more important than what, you know, something else, and the insecurity began to come up, and he now is beginning to compare to David. And all David is doing is killing to make Saul's name great. But insecurity, insecurity will make you compare and compete so you look on somebody's instagram and say well they got 27 likes i i I only got 24 okay okay all right then then create 10 other accounts and like them yourself that's what insecurity will do make you compare insecurity also shows up in pride stubbornness and arrogance saul wouldn't listen to anybody not even those close to him who had their his interests at heart 1 Samuel 20 verse 30 says this. Then Saul's anger burned against Jonathan, his son. And he said to him, you son of a wayward, rebellious woman. No, he's talking about his mama now. Hold up. 
When you talk about you talk about your mama, you thought that it was just like out on the street. No, it's not right here. Saul was like, your mama rebellious. Your mama hoe. You son of this, this wayward woman. That's the, that's the word for hoe. King James, you know, that's what, that's what wayward means. So this is how he coming at his son now. He coming harsh at his son. Using his mother. Do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse over me? To your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness. For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, neither you as heir to the throne nor your kingdom will be established. See, this is showing up his insecurity. I have to have the kingdom. I have to have the kingdom. This is where I I thrive best. I have to have the kingdom. Jonathan, Jonathan, you're going to lose the kingdom. So now send someone and bring him to me for he must die. Jonathan said to his father, why must he be put to death? What has he done? Then Saul threw a spear at his son to strike him down. So Jonathan knew without any doubt his father had decided to put David to death. And Jonathan stood up from the table in a heat of anger and ate no food on that second day of the new moon. For he grieved and worried about David because his father had dishonored David. See, insecurity will let you think you don't need to listen to anybody else. Insecurity will make you think that you are right in what you're doing. Insecurity will make you arrogant and make you pursue what you shouldn't be pursuing. Insecurity makes you rash and defensive. Rash and defensive. This is, this is probably my biggest one right here. First Samuel 15. God had told, you know, Saul, go ahead and kill everybody. Kill everybody. Kill everybody in the Amalekites. And, and Saul did not. He kept the king alive. He kept the choice cattle alive. And Samuel came and said, uh, you were supposed to kill everybody. And he said, I did. He said, I did. I obeyed the Lord. And he began to go all around and make excuses and stuff like that. And Saul was like, well, Samuel was like, so what is this bleating of the sheep that I hear? And because you have done that, the kingdom will be taken away from you. And Saul was like, wait, wait, hold on. No, but I, I, I was afraid of the people though, you know. You see, insecurity will make you make rash decisions. And defend your rash decisions. And defend your poor decisions. It will make you find excuses. When you don't need to have excuses, you take personal responsibility. Insecurity will make you deflect your responsibility. We talked about that with him and Goliath. Insecurity will make you... You all know this term, right? I'm coming down now. This one is for King. Insecurity will make you gaslight people. It will make you imagine things that don't exist. It will make you make people think that they're crazy. It will make you begin to put thoughts into people's minds that don't exist. That's what gaslighting is. It's a form of manipulation because you're insecure. So here it is. You read into things and block out the truth. And then try to put that into the person. And make them think that they're crazy. That they didn't remember. They didn't do something. No, no. See, insecurity, because it's a way. Insecurity will make you, because you want to hold on, it makes you controlling. Insecurity. Here's another one that I used to have to deal with and sometimes still deal with. People pleasing. Insecurity will make you a people pleaser. First Samuel 15, 24. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. 
For I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words because I feared the people and I obeyed their voice. I obeyed their voice. People pleasing. We don't want to upset anybody. We don't want any conflict. We don't want anybody hurt. We don't want anybody to feel bad. We don't want anybody to not like us. We don't want anybody not to engage. So what we will do is become a people pleaser and just do what people want even if it's contrary. Insecurity. Insecurity. That's how it manifests. So how do you get out? Like if you have any of these kind of things, like you're dealing with any of this, like what do you do? How do we get out? Well, it's recognizing and asking yourself, where see, first of all, it's a process. It's not just a magic finger thing. It's not just, you know, hey, I just make a decision and boom, there it goes. No, no, it's a process because again, you have to really take the time to know yourself and take the time to own yourself. And so we can't just, just say, well, you know, I just, I'm just going to make a decision on it. You can make a decision to start unveiling it, but if you're not really authentic with your own self, if you're not in touch with your own emotions, you'll never know you're insecure because you block everything out. So even as pastor said, emotions are a locator. But if you never locate them, you'll never locate you. If you just shut them off, you never really see that you have an issue. And it's a process. And the process is Romans 12 talks about renewing the mind. Renewing the mind is just not a one day thing. Okay, today my mind is renewed. No, it's an ongoing thing. Because you don't know where your mind needs to be renewed until you're in a situation you realize your mind crazy. Or your heart is off. Or your feelings are off. But you won't know until you're bucking up on that situation or you're in that situation. It's just like you don't know that God is healer until you're sick. So you and I may not know we're insecure until something happens. But when that happens, now you have to go to God. And now you have to sit down and say, okay, what was that? Why was that? Instead of pointing the finger to the other person like Saul, you got to be like David. Because one of the things I noticed about David is David wrote a whole lot of Psalms. Saul wrote none. How is it? Let's, let's break this down here. How is it that you have two people? God chooses both people. God anoints both people. They're from the same tribe. Saul is better looking. Saul is taller. Saul got more. Saul got the kingdom. Saul is ordained. He's got the approval of the people. And yet everything gets taken from him. Saul made mistakes. But David made tons of mistakes too. So we have two people who made mistakes. Two people who didn't obey God at some point or the other. Why would God say to David, you're a man after my own heart and I will establish your kingdom forever. But took the kingdom from Saul. When both of them made mistakes. Why? Because David put his confidence and security in his relationship with God, with the presence of God, and knowing that passion that God had towards him. So when he was writing his psalms, oh, he was full of emotions. God, kill them all. 
God, all the wicked are coming against me. Oh, the person that is eating with me is coming to kill me. Lord, I want them to die. Lord, I hate them all. Oh, God, where's Absalom? Lord, I, oh, my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock. I am thirsty and dying, God. I don't think I'm going to make it, God. Oh, this was David. With his feelings. In his feelings. But what did he do? He poured out his complaint before the Lord. He was raw and honest before the Lord. He didn't run everywhere, but he did go to God and had real talks with God. And he was saying, God, they're coming after me. God, I don't know if I'm going to make it tomorrow. Lord, you're wonderful. And then you see the transformation of David's heart as he poured his heart out to God. Then you see him going, but Lord, I will trust you. So rise up and bless the Lord. Oh, you see him come and say, there is none like you. Praise him on the cymbals. Praise him on the harp. Praise him. Oh, ye people, clouds to God with a tro- voice of triumph. Oh, this is what you see with David. That as he pours his heart out in the presence of God, that's what was different. He was not trusting his possessions. He was not trusting his position. He was not trusting his place. Oh, what he was trusting in Almighty God. And he knew that he could always go back to God. And I say to you, if your security is in you, your kingdom is going to be shook and your kingdom will be took. But if you can trust in God and you can go with humility and go before God like David and said, who am I, wretched man that I am, that you would choose me to lead your people. Both were chosen. One kept their face before God. The other kept their face holding their stuff. And what you held on to was taken away. Insecurity. Insecurity. If you want to get out, you have got to go to the presence of God. Run to the presence of God. Like David. And be real with God. Oh, you got to go before God. You see, I know we Christians saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled on fire, baptized, speaking in tongues, morning, noon, and night. I get it. But when you go before God, you got to go before God and say, God. I got a lust problem. I'm just going to be straight up. All right here. I know I'm on the billboard. I know, man. But I got a lust problem today. Okay, God, tomorrow. I got a lying problem today. Okay, God, tomorrow. I got a flesh problem today. Okay, Wednesday, God, this whole thing in Walmart. I want to kill this one. I just want to just cut her little ankles off right now. God, I got a murderous spirit on me today. Oh, see, see, you got to go before God and be honest and say, hey, this is where I am. Help. But when I come before God, the Bible says he resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You want to get out, humble thyself before the Lord and he will lift you up. Number two, stop comparing. How do I stop comparing, Pastor Star? When you understand that perfect love cast out all fear. The root of insecurity is fear. Fear that you won't be. Fear that you won't have. Fear that you won't do. Insecurity. The root is fear. But perfect love. Mature love. Accepting and understanding the love of God towards you. 
Do a study on love. Find every scripture you know about God's love. Rehearse it. Say it. Write it on your wall. Put it on a sheet and wrap yourself up at night. But get into the presence of God and get the love of God, the love of God, the love of God. Because when you really fully understand the love of God, the love of men don't become a big thing. You see, you can't fall because they don't give it to you. And you can't fall because they do. Because you know. That he loves you with an everlasting love. And his mercies are new every morning. You understand that in him you live, you move, and you have your being. That's the kind of understanding. You want to get out of insecurity. You have to know that you're loved and loved fully. That God is not afraid of your wickedness. God is not afraid of your darkness. God is not afraid of your struggles. God is not surprised by any of it. He knows you by name. The Bible says he knit us in our mother's womb. He knows every struggle. He knows every frustration. He knows every anxiety. He knows every stress. He knows. So you don't run away from God. You run to him and say, let his perfect love has his full work inside of you. First John four eighteen says that. And number four, accept it is a process. It's not going to just happen overnight. It's okay to not be perfect. Can I just tell you? It is okay to just not get it all right every single time. You reevaluate and you try and do better the next time. But we break down and break ourselves down. Because we want to please people. Or we want to cater. Or we don't want them upset. And, you know, we, all of these things. Or we just don't care. We can, insecurity has different extremes of the pendulum. But at the end of the day, if your security is not in God Almighty, if the foundation is how other people see you, how other people perceive you, If the praise of other people is more important than the applause of God, there's only a matter of time that the applause of God will never come. You still have the people. But you won't get, well done, good and perfect servant. I'd rather not have the applause. I'd rather not have the position. I'd rather not have the possession. But I'll be gone if I don't have the presence of God. So let's pray. I don't know if you can see that we got work to do. We got work to do. We all have something that we need to say, God, I need to be more secure in this. Whether it's as people, as leaders, as siblings, as co-workers, in our relationships, in our environments. What do you and I do that manifests our insecurity? What is it that we need to surrender to God? Where is it that we need to say, hey, that giant is my giant. I'm tall enough to deal with it. I don't need to abdicate it to somebody else. What I have to do is make sure I conquer the giant in me before he does. Before that giant swallows you up. You got to go like David with all that you got. You got the presence of God and you got the passion of, of him for you. You know he loves you. That's the beautiful thing about David. Is that David knew his relationship with God was solid. You couldn't take him off of it. 
Again, two flawed people. Two people who made mistakes. One at a better advantage. And yet, God went with the person who had all these psalms to say. All this pouring out. All this communication. All this crying and bawling and looking like he's crazy. But that's who God chose. That would preach by itself. I don't forget what y'all say. That would preach by itself. You may look crazy, but God called you. <laughs> Woo! What are you going to surrender? What am I going to surrender in the terms of insecurity? What is it that God is asking us to surrender? So let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you right now, God, that you're faithful and you're sure. And so we lift up our broken hearts to you. We lift up our wounded hearts to you. And you said, God, that a broken heart and a contrite spirit, you will not despise. That if we will come to you in our brokenness, and we can come and say, God, this is all we have. We've been hiding among the supplies. We've hid behind our careers, and we've hid behind our successes, and we've people-pleased, and We've acquiesced and abdicated our responsibilities. And we are afraid at times. And we're prideful at times. And sometimes we don't even know where we are at times. And God, we confess that to you as being insecure. Because God, we want an everlasting kingdom. We want to be able to trust in you with our whole hearts. And not just part of our hearts. God, we know that you will care for our hearts fully. And so, Lord, we turn over our insecurities to you. Whether it's our body insecurities or, 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 or position insecurities or relationship insecurities. God, we turn them over to you today and ask you, God, to come in like, like a flood and come in like a wind. And that you will be like the balm of Gilead and you will heal our broken hearts. And you will heal our wounds, God. For you died for our transgressions, God. And the, the chastisement of our peace is upon you. And so, Lord, I thank you, God, that you're picking up every wound. And you're picking up every brokenness. And you're picking up every hurt and you're picking up every trauma God and you're carrying it on your back Lord and you're lifting us up and saying I will carry you oh we bless you in this place God and we thank you God for being an ever present help in times of trouble and we thank you for pouring your oil and pouring your spirit all through and through our hearts that we can say God in the Lord we trust and our confidence is in you alone and so we bless you and we glorify you. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And you may be out there. And you may not have ever accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. But I want to give you the opportunity because you may be in